We're going to start in Psalms when we get there this morning, but take them out. Let's see them. This is God's word for me today. We're going to be in Psalm chapter 50. Um, <clears throat> when it comes to preaching holiday sermons, uh, it's always hard because everybody preaches the same thing, right? On Thanksgiving week, and, and I've preached the same you know types of sermons over and over. And so I, I've got something this morning that I find is a little bit different, but still on the theme of, of Thanksgiving. So I, I hope you enjoy it. Um, but I, I think it also is very meaningful uh, to our spiritual lives. And it's kind of a, a comparison or a comparison to our spiritual Thanksgiving lives versus the actual physical Thanksgiving dinner celebration. So in Psalm chapter 50, verse 23, we see this, and, and, and obviously goes right along with what I feel the Spirit was leading this morning. The one who offers thanksgiving as his sacrifice glorifies me. To one who orders his way rightly, I will show the salvation of God. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your blessings. Thank you for your presence. Thank you, Lord, that your Holy Spirit is here to lead us and to guide us, to bring comfort and strength and to draw us closer to you. And I pray that throughout this message this morning that we would be drawn closer to you. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, think about this, this verse, the one who offers thanksgiving as his sacrifice glorifies me. You know, our, our, hopefully our goal, one of our goals and one of our purposes as Christians is to glorify the Lord. And so um, this morning, you know, I, I think we all have plans to some extent for the Thanksgiving celebration uh, my wife and I are going to do something this year we've never done. We're going to be away from home on Thanksgiving. And uh, so we're going down to see Kinsey. She's not going to be able to make it up here. So we're going to go down there and then share with the rest of our family later. But um, so as we think about Thanksgiving, we think about a time that we think about how much we're thankful and all the things that we have to be thankful for. Uh, so if you're here this morning and you're breathing, which hopefully you are, you have something to be thankful for, right? You have breath. And if you're here and you know Jesus, you have something even bigger to be thankful for. Amen? Amen. We have a lot to be thankful for. A lot of times, what we like to try to do around our Thanksgiving table, and you know it's very hard, but you say, just say something you're thankful for. You realize the silence that ensues when you do that? They sit there like, come on, you got something to be thankful for, right? But I think sometimes as Christians, we get come to an opportunity to worship the Lord and we find ourselves silent instead of being able to share how thankful we are to Him. So this morning I want to talk about some things that we do or on Thanksgiving or for Thanksgiving that we should be doing in our spiritual lives as well. First thing I want to look at is invite family and friends over. Matthew chapter 9 Verses 36 through 38, when, the, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord for the harvest, for of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. See, one of our duties as Christians is to reach the lost, to invite them in. Um, 
we have, you know, we think about this this year's Thanksgiving celebrations, and and Jared and Megan are doing one thing, and Kelsey and Corey are doing another thing, and I don't even know what Josh and Beth are doing, and we're going at it. So so it's a it's a different year, but the same by the same token, everybody's got an invite to do something somewhere, and you think about the world around you, and and when I was growing up, no matter who you asked, they had they went to church somewhere. You know, most and most kids I went to school, they went to church somewhere. Some very few didn't. Very few adults that you met on the street didn't go to church somewhere once in a while, right? But now, in the day and age we live in, there are a lot of people that never enter into a into a church, that never have a meaningful conversation with a Christian. And growing up, you know, that was unheard of. But today it's reality. More and more people have no concept of what Christianity really is. Some people might just think, well, those people that go to church or whatever their thoughts are. But, but truthfully, um, we, are, we are to be actively reaching out to the lost. We can't force anybody to get saved. We can't force anybody. We, we shouldn't even try to force somebody. It wouldn't work if we did. So we're not in charge of that aspect of it. We're just in charge of reaching out and showing the love of Christ. We need to be actively promoting what God is doing in us. Um, I went, went out and, and to the uh, drug court uh, deal was going on. Jerome got to speak at it, share a little bit of his story. And, and one of the things I liked about what Jerome said in his talk was he was able to share the difference his faith made in his recovery. And I was like, oh, wow. He said, wow. He got a good one in there a couple of times. Jerome, you laid a couple of good ones on him. And, and he didn't go, his whole speech wasn't about his, his faith, or, but he was able to share how his faith and his active participation in his faith helped in his recovery. And, and we need to be sharing what God, good things God has done in us, whether it be something like that or just simply, man, God is a good God. I, I'm just rejoicing in the Lord this week. I'm having, a, I'm having a bad week, but I'm still rejoicing in the Lord. He's a good God. No matter if I'm having a good week or a bad week, He's still a good God. Amen? A lot of what Lisa was talking about this morning goes back to that. We can be having a bad week. He's still a good God. Our, our, our beautiful friend Joyce up here, this is the lady that Lisa was talking about right here. She's a beautiful Christian lady giving her life to missions and, and now she's got cancer in two places and instead of kicking and, and moaning and complaining, she's, like, she's just in love with Jesus. And, and, and so we, we think about that and we think about the people that we know and we need to begin to make sure they understand what's really going on in our lives that they understand that really is about Jesus Christ. You see, how many are looking forward to your Thanksgiving meal? Yeah? We need to present Christ in such a way that people are looking forward to it, to Him. We need to be presenting our church in a way that people are saying, man, I'd love to go. Not just because, understand, not just our church, but anytime somebody sees a Christian 
and they're talking about their church, it should be something that, ooh, that sounds like I, I want. We should presenting Christ, be presenting Christ in such a way that those people that we invite, there's something there that they desire. Oh, my church is terrible, and the music is terrible, and the pastor's loud. And Hey, you want to come to church with me? <laughs> All that might be true, but <clears throat> we, need to, we need to present Christ in such a way that when we invite people, they, He is something that, that is something they would be longing for. So, the second thing that I see that kind of compares in these two is prepare for the feast. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15 says this, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. <clears throat> I don't think I've ever heard Lisa say something like this. I don't care if it's good, I just want to fix dinner. I'm not saying, no, we don't go. We, our desire is that it turn out good, so if that's your desire, you have to prepare, right? Where does that start? Usually with a list, right? Or a menu, or a thought, you know, maybe some of you don't write it down. But, but you probably already know what you're going to be serving on Thanksgiving. You probably have a pretty good idea of the ingredients you're going to need and the preparation it's going to take and, and how long to pop the turkey in the microwave to cook it and that, <laughs> that kind of stuff. 25-pound um, turkey. turkey, how long? Oh, so... So preparation is needed to pull off a successful Thanksgiving dinner, right? You watch those shows, you know, on the spoofs, you know, how they mess up the dinner and all that. It takes preparation. You see, the turkey doesn't just stroll up and sit on your porch, and the potatoes don't just jump out of the ground into the pot of boiling water. There's preparation. There's thinking ahead, you know. The, just the simple thing of thawing out the turkey is preparation ahead, right? So you prepare in advance. You know, some of you are going to watch football on Thanksgiving Day, and some of the women are like, oh, again. You know, I, it's, you know and some people have, don't care about it. When I was growing up, and, and I was a young teenage boy, and my family was kind of rough, and so our Thanksgiving Day consisted of let's get done eating so we can go out and kill each other with a football. I'm telling you. How we didn't end up, usually we stopped when somebody was hurt pretty good and we'd say, okay, I guess it's time. And I remember my dad, he had shoes kind of slick like these and we'd go up to the football field and he'd go up with us and he'd play. And everybody was scared to death of him. But anyway, he, and, and it's just like, or scared to death they're going to hurt him. Or, but, but, you know, every, we all have plans and we all have, but we prepare for that in advance, right? And so I, I wonder, as Christians, are we truly preparing for the day when we see God face to face? You see, because the Bible teaches us that one of these days we're going to stand before Him. And if we're going to stand before Him and we want a good outcome, 
then we're going to have to make preparations for that day, don't you think? There are a lot of people that are just running through life and thinking, well, I'll figure it out when I get there. It's going to be too late. Because when we stand before him, he's not going to look at us and say, well, what are your intentions? What would you like to see happen? That's already been decided. We've already prepared in advance for the day of our meeting with our Lord. Are we preparing for each day in a way that will lead us to bring Him honor and glory? So not only are we preparing to meet Him face to face, but while we're still here, we have to continue to prepare ourselves to bring honor and glory to Him on a daily basis. Every day we should be thinking, what can I do today to make God smile? What can I do today for my Lord to say, oh, man, awesome, high five, good job. What can I do each day because I love my Lord so much that I want to bring him honor and I want to point back to him, not point to me, but all that I do that it points right back to him and shows how great he is and how awesome he is and how much I love him. On a daily basis, we should be, we, that should be a process that goes through our minds. And when situations come up, one of the thoughts should be, how do I respond to this situation in such a way that God will get the glory? How do I respond to this person in such a way that God will get the glory? Instead of a, well, I thought that person was a Christian. It should be, wow, they sure didn't handle that the way I thought they would. I would have been mad. I would have thrown a fit. I would have told that person just exactly what I thought. But instead, we desire to bring honor and glory to Him. Just like we prepare to have the very best meal we can. You see, the Scripture had said we are to do our best. You know what I was thinking in worship this morning? Am I giving him my best in worship today? Am I, I'm sitting back there thinking, man, you know, and, and, and I was just getting, the Lord was just, the Spirit of God was just so powerful in the place. I'm thinking, am I giving him my best in worship? Because let me tell you, he deserves our best. You think your family deserves the very best dinner you can give them? You think your husband, Lisa, deserves the very best pie you can bake? Yes, he does. Woo! But my God so much more deserves the best I can give Him. He has, he has done everything for me. He deserves my very best. He says right in the Scripture, do your best. Don't settle and say, well, that's good enough for today. That's good enough. I remember back when I worked at Hy-Vee, our manager said, good enough is never good enough for Hy-Vee. That was one of his statements, and I don't know if they still say that, but I still remember it. He said, good enough is not good enough for Hy-Vee. Is good enough good enough in your spiritual life? You see, I've seen my wife throw away a perfectly good pie crust because it just wasn't perfect. She's like, you're throwing that away? Yeah, it didn't turn out right. It's stickier, it's drier, it's, I don't know. 
Bake it up, throw some apples in. I bet it'd be good, but no, she throws it away. Starts over. Why? Because she wanted the very. She didn't want good enough. She wanted the very best she could do. And and I asked myself, and I ask you this morning: Are you doing your best, or is your life just good enough? Is your Bible reading and, and prayer time good enough? Is your church attendance? Good enough. Is, is what you give good enough? Is how you treat people good enough? Are you willing to step past that and say, I'm going to do my best? I'm going to give it my best effort. I always, I played football in high school. I love football. But one of the things I always took pride in is I gave my best in practice. And I gave my best on the field. I was, a, I was a maniac in practice. I loved practice. I didn't love all the things, you know, running. But I gave every, every time I ran, I ran my best. I was just one of the slowest ones on the team. But I gave my best. It didn't matter that they were up there and I was, I was still running to the end. My, my best. I took pride in that. Do we take pride not in a bad way, but do we take pride in the fact that we always give God our best? Or are we settling for somewhere less than the best? Another thing that I see that we do on Thanksgiving is we offer a prayer of Thanksgiving. Even, even the shows you watch, most of them, you know, for on Thanksgiving, they some kind of a prayer of Thanksgiving... Colossians chapter 4, verse 2 says this, Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. So it kind of all ties it together here. Be, <coughs> excuse me. Continue steadfastly in prayer. Keep, keep your lives in an attitude of prayer. Keep your, your, your time, your day structured so that you have time for prayer. Keep your life and your attitude in such a way that prayer is a priority, not an afterthought. Live your life in such a way that prayer is built into it and a part of it. In many American homes, you know, maybe once a year they give thanks because it's Thanksgiving, right? We need to remember that everything that we believe in is based on prayer. It starts with prayer. It finishes with prayer. Think about, and this always gets me. Whenever I think about Jesus' prayer life, I'm amazed. Because I'm thinking if Jesus had to spend so much time praying, how much do I need to pray? You know, Jesus was constantly, and according to Scripture, He was constantly going off by Himself to pray. And that's Jesus. The Son of God. God in the flesh. And he realized the importance of spending time with his Father in prayer. And so I ask you, and I ask myself, am I doing my best? Am I giving the prayer, am I praying the way I ought to, and as often as I ought to, and the frequency and the, and the fervor that I ought to? You see, prayer is at the heart of our spiritual walk. If you don't pray, your spiritual life is going to start to die. We There's many things in the physical 
You know, if you stop eating, eventually you're going to die. If you stop drinking water, eventually you're going to die. If you stop... And the same is true in our spiritual life. If we neglect prayer, we neglect that, that nourishment from God. I, I, I doubt that any of you only eat once a week. So if you come here and you think you got enough prayer time in for the week, you're probably weak and you're probably tired and you probably need to eat a little more often. You probably need to pray a little more often. As I think about, as I think about other things that you do on your Thanksgiving meal, there's, there's always the food, right? Psalm chapter 145, verse 5 says, On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works I will meditate. Remember, it's not about me, but it's all about Jesus. You see, on, on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on the wondrous works I will meditate. I won't meditate on me. I will meditate on him. And I think about that. You think about that. Now, when we t- think of the typical Thanksgiving, we think of the turkey, right? Well, I'm going to be honest with you. I can live without the turkey if I have the noodles and the dressing. If i got noodles and dressing, I'm probably going to be good. <laughs> but then you throw in the green bean casserole. And the, and you, well, wait, it ain't there yet. And, <laughs> and, and you, you throw in that, and then, yeah, the turkey's a good side dish, okay? But some, for some people, the turkey might be the thing. Or the pie is always like you get through the meal so you can get to the pie. And that's obvious at my house or with me. But, but we all look at the meal with a different thing in mind. The thing that makes making your mouth water right now. Okay? My mouth watering, you know, a little bit. To, but, but so whatever it is that you're thinking about, you're looking forward to it, aren't you? You're looking forward to that moment when you can stick that in your mouth and you can begin to... Whoa, chew on it, and you're all smiling. Look at the smiles on your faces. You're excited. I love it. You're, <laughs> you're thinking, man, we've got to wait all the way till Thursday. And, and so you're thinking about that meal, and there's, there's an excitement that builds, and you're longing for it, you're looking for it, and, and then, you know, the time comes. So we relate that to our spiritual life, and, I, and we have to ask ourselves, how often do you find yourself just thinking how awesome God is? How often do you find yourself just desiring that main dish or whatever, that, that just desiring Him? I'm telling you this morning, whew, I was, I was there. I was just experiencing an awesome God. And, and I, but it shouldn't be once a week. It, shouldn't be, it should be every day we should wake with that anticipation of how awesome our God is. We should, we should, spend our, we should go throughout the day thinking about how awesome our God is. But do we do that? Why don't we do that? Well, the pressures and the... And all the things that happen in a day's time and in a week's time many times derail us from realizing. And like my wife has already said this morning, when we experience that personal revival, you know the thing that's going to be on your mind? 
from the time you get up to the time you go to bed, how awesome my God is. You might have still have to go to work. You can't sit at home. Don't don't. That's not licensed to sit at home. And but in every circumstance, in every situation, as you go through your life, as you go through your day, you're thinking how awesome my God is. He is an awesome God. In spite of what the world says and in spite of what the world does, He's an awesome God. Another thing that we see in our, in our Thanksgiving celebrations, at least I always experience, is I always get full. <laughs> I don't walk away from the table thinking, man, I'm hungry. I walk away from the table full. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 17 through 19. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. You see, in that, those scriptures, there's a lot of descriptors, isn't there? It talks about height and breadth and depth. It talks about, it talks about so much of, of, of what we're, we can get from God. It, we see in that scripture that, that there's more to it than just a, 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 a once in a while experience. But there's a fullness that comes when we realize who He is, when we realize how big He is and how deep He is and, and how much He wants to be involved in our life. You see, he's got the whole package. He's got the turkey and the dressing and the pie. and He's got everything that we need. And he wants us to be full of him. He don't want us to just take a little bite here and a little bite there. He wants us to be saturated and filled. He wants us to keep eating. And he says that he will fill us. He will fill us. We can have all we want. That's the same as true when you sit down to a meal, isn't it? In an American home, you can eat as much as you want. If you want more, there's usually some more sitting on the stove, right? So if you go away hungry from the Thanksgiving table, it's because you've chosen to, correct? And that's probably not a bad thing. <laughs> not, I'm not going to go away hungry, but if you choose, do it. But can I tell you, the same is true in your spiritual life. See, another scripture says, He that hungers and thirsts after righteousness shall be filled. It's when we stop hungering and we stop thirsting that we get lose that feeling of fullness spiritually. We're dry. We're Why? Because we don't have the hunger for more. We don't have the hunger to say, no, I don't care if I'm going through a dry spell. I'm still digging in. I'm still eating. I'm still reading. I'm still praying. I'm still going. I'm still, I'm still going to attend. I'm still going to put myself in the place to receive from God all that He has for me. All that He has for me. And if I don't get full, it's not His fault. If I don't get enough, it's not His fault. Because I have the choice to make of whether or not I want more and if I go after that. Another thing we see in our, our time of Thanksgiving meals and fellowship is we get to spend a little extra time with our families. 
1 John chapter 1, verse 7 says, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. You see, earlier we talked about the invitations. Different people have different traditions. They invite different people to their Thanksgiving meal. Sometimes it's family, sometimes it's family and friends. But the, one of the beauties about the Thanksgiving table is you usually get to have your family and you get to spend some quality time with them. Now again, you can't all get together all the time, but those who you're going to have together, you're going to get to spend some quality time. Now, yes, some of you women are saying, seriously, quality time? Who's going to clean up, right? <clears throat> but hopefully, there's some time where you can sit down and you can visit with your family. You can, you can, you know, hold the baby if there's a baby involved, or you can do whatever. But you get to spend some time with family. Spiritual in our spiritual lives, spiritual fellowship is very important. I say this a lot. We need each other. We need a, a family of faith to gather around us in the bad times and the good times. We need to have sometimes, we need to have somebody to cry with, don't we? We need to have somebody say, hey, I may not understand what you're going through, buddy, but I'm, I'm with you. I'm going to stand with you. I'm going to pray with you. I'm going to go to, to battle with you. Ladies, you find yourselves probably more apt to cry with each other than us men do, but you need each other. You need people of faith that won't judge you, or, but they will just say, hey, I'm praying with you that God would reveal His self to you, that you will find what God has for you. We need each other. We need to be able to share intimately with one another about the goodness of our God, about who God really is and what God really desires for us as His children. And sometimes... Sometimes that comes in a way of, the Bible tells us that sometimes we have to help a brother or a sister see they're going down the wrong path. Sometimes, as people of faith, we have to realize it's not just all about everything's, everything's good, right? Sometimes as brothers and sisters in the Lord, we have to help each other see that maybe there needs some correction. Maybe you need to Take a different direction. That never comes easy, but think about people that you love and you care about. Whenever they give you correction, it's because they want what's best for you, right? <laughs> as a family of God, as people of faith, that's how we feel. We love one another. We want, we want what's best for each other. We don't rejoice when somebody has a problem or when somebody stubs their toe, well, we might laugh a little bit at first, but we, we only want what's best for them. We want to help one another to... Remember earlier I talked about we're going to stand before God? We want to help one another to make sure that we're all ready to stand before Him. That's why we preach, and that's why we teach, and that's why we do men's and women's and kids. And Why do we do all that? Because we want to help one another to fulfill God's plan for their life. And God's plan is that we all stand before Him and hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And so as a family, as a family, we want to have fellowship together so that we can help one another 
to be all God has for us. So that when we need a brother to lean on, we got a brother to lean on. When we need a sister to cry with, we got a sister to cry with. Because we love one another. You'll do that. For, you know, brothers and sisters in a family will fight and argue, but when they need help, they'll rally, right? The same. We're not always going to agree in the family of God. We're not always going to agree in this church. If you've been here very long, you probably know that. But as a family, we serve God. And we look out for each other. And we want what's best for each other. My last point. And if you're in my family, you'll know this is a very true point. Or if you're in Megan's family, you will know this is a very true point. And after church, I expect that each one of you will talk to Pastor Jared about this point. Time for a nap. So if you're around our family, you'll understand that after we eat, it's time for Jared's nap. <laughs> he is very faithful in his napping after a big meal. Matthew, yeah, he takes the whole, it doesn't matter where anybody else needs to sit, you have to go somewhere else because I'm taking a nap. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 and 29. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. You see, God has not designed you to be stressed out. God does not want you to be stressed out. And I know the Thanksgiving meal is a stressful thing. And hopefully your families will all pitch in and help take some of the stress off. But, but in our spiritual lives, we need to understand that God does not want us to be all stressed out. He does not want us to be in turmoil. He does not want our minds and our hearts to be mixed up all the time. He wants us to know that we can rest in Him and we can rely on Him and we can trust in Him and we can rest in Him. We can let Him be in control. You see, the reason we wrestle and the reason we have anxiety and the reason we have stress is because we don't fully trust Him. Now, if you're not guilty of this, you're in the minority, you're probably lying. Because we all come to that point when we realize we're not trusting God the way we ought to. I get there. There's certain things that we talk about, my wife and I talk about, I says we can't talk about it, it gives me a headache. And it's like sometimes I know that I'm just not trusting God enough. Because if I was trusting him enough, I would have peace about it. Not to say I could sit back and not do anything. Well, God will pay that bill. I trust him. I'm not going to work, but God will pay that bill somehow. Now, come on. But what I can do is I can trust that God is going to help me, help my wife to figure out a way to make sure everything goes the way it's supposed to go. Whether it be a bill or whether it be health or whether it be a relationship whether it be a circumstance that comes up at home or at church or in the public, realizing that, again, it's not about me. It's not about me. It's about Him. And the more I trust Him, 
The more we, the more we experience revival, we've already heard it, the more we're going to trust Him and the less we're going to have to rely on us and the less stress is going to be on us because we're trusting Him. He says right here, He says, bring it on. Come to me. Are you weary spiritually? Are you weary with the strife in the world? Are you weary with all the trouble? Come to me. Bring it to me, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. We think of a yoke, and we think, oh, no, I don't want a yoke, because that means I'm going to have to. But his yoke is easy. His burden is light. You see, again, it's not God's design for you to live a stressed-out life. We live that stressed-out life because we have forgotten what it means to trust that God is really in control. Again, I'm guilty. I get there just like you do sometimes, and I have to understand when I get to that point, realize, ooh, I guess I'm not trusting God the way I should. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 9 through 11. So then, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. You see, when Jared's laying there sleeping, he, there's no stress at all, except for kids poking him and stuff or adults poking him. But you know what we can do? We can find ourselves resting in the Lord just that way. We can work, we can do what we need to do, we can fight the good fight of faith, and then we can lay down at its feet and say, God, it's in your hands. I'm doing my part, and I'm trusting you to do yours. I'm not going to worry about it. I'm just going to keep obeying you. Easier said than done. Yes, it is, but it's attainable because that's God's plan. So I want you to think about this week as you finish your preparations for Thanksgiving. How can I take each step of my Thanksgiving celebration and apply it to my spiritual life so that not only will I have a great celebration, but that my spiritual life will be uplifted and those around me will experience true Thanksgiving. True Thanksgiving recognizing who my God is. Would you bow your heads this morning? Lord, I thank you for your blessings. You're an awesome God. And I've experienced you. I, I don't know what everybody else experienced this morning, but I experienced you so powerfully this morning. My spirit is lifted up today because I have experienced an awesome God who, is just, who has ministered to me and who has strengthened me God, because I recognize who you are. And Lord, as we think about Thanksgiving week, as we think about the preparations and we think about all the things, God, help us to recognize that you want our spiritual lives to be filled with the, with the joys of Thanksgiving and all, the, and all the festivities and all the wonders, Lord, and all the preparation. May our hearts and minds allow you the place that you want in our lives that we will truly experience Thanksgiving this week with our family and our friends, but also with you. 
God, may we be lifted up and may we take on the rest of this week with a new fervor and a new power and a new, a new joy in our heart because we've experienced you. And Lord, may we, may we earnestly begin to pray for personal revival because corporate revival will never come until personal revival is desired. And so, Lord, stir our hearts with thankfulness for what you're going to do. God, bless these people as they go this week. Bless us as we celebrate our thanksgiving for you. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. You're dismissed.